This is Inside the Wolf's Den, an entrepreneurial journey with Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Welcome back to Inside the Wolf's Den with your hosts, Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Today we have a good friend and also a fellow Houstonian with us, uh, guest Boris Sanchez. How are you, Boris? Good. Thank you, Joni. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, and thanks for joining us inside the Wolf Den. So just a quick bio on Boris. Boris Sanchez is an accomplished and active commercial real estate investor, broker, lender, and educator. He has personally owned over 800 multifamily units and actively, actively buys and sells commercial real estate every month. He has been a broker and a lender in over $1 billion worth of commercial real estate transaction in his eight-year career so far. Along with Sanmore Investments team, he plans on acquiring another $20 million worth of commercial real estate this year. Boris also personally mentors investors looking to enter the CRE arena, as well as experienced investors looking to expand or diversify their real estate portfolio. So again, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little about background on yourself. Like, how did this all get started? Sure, I'd love to. Um, so I've just come from an entrepreneurial background. Um, I've owned businesses ever since I can remember first business ever. And I think Joni, you know, that cause they had weird facts the other day when we were talking, but, um, uh, Daryl did say one of my favorite uh, facts, I guess, about myself, uh, which is that uh, I started my first business when I was seven years old Yeah. and, um, it was, it, it, you know, it was like a food delivery business and it was great. Um, it didn't go anywhere at all, but it was just pretty cool. And I learned a lot from that. And ever since then, I've owned, you know, you name it, uh, e-commerce business. I've owned a, uh, uh, what else was that? A car dealership, uh, a consulting business. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I've been kind of bouncing around. At the same time, I uh, have about 10 years of corporate experience working for Shell Oil and AIG. Um, and I'm glad I did that, got out of the way early, so I know what never I want to go to again. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just not for me. And so, yeah, I got, I got that all the way. Uh, I went to London, studied, uh, got my master's degree out there. And when I came back, I started working for my family's mortgage company. Okay. Uh, um, and I started, obviously, that, this was 20, 2010. So, um, yeah, I started off as a mortgage broker and I didn't like it at all. We were exiting the recession. Mm -hmm. And so the laws were changing. It was just, very tumultuous and uh, I just didn't want to mess with the whole residential thing at all. What really intrigued me was commercial. Mm. And so I started, even though I was kind of flipping homes at the same time, I knew that that wasn't the end end goal. Um, I'm glad I did that because it got, you know, I got to know the investor side a little bit more rather than just, uh, you know, selling the loan products. Mm -hmm. And so I started, uh, I, I was, I got done with that. I got done with my last flip and I was like, you know what, let me buy a small commercial property. And, uh, and yeah, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's actually another story, but I'll let you ask the next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate that. Yeah. No. Uh, so my question for you is, you know, based that you kind of started off in residential and started in the lending and mortgage, but also started with flipping single family homes. Uh, tell us some of the advantages of commercial real estate now that you have a, you know, a ton of experience in educating and continuing to buy commercial real estate. Tell us the advantages of commercial real estate versus the single family mm -hmm. or residential market. Uh, 
so obviously the first and the, the, the best thing is the, the valuation of commercial real estate versus residential, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a mentorship agree. Uh, I have a mentorship program that uh, my students have endearly called um, the Church of Forced Appreciation mm-hmm. because that's all I preach about all day long. I think you know, forced appreciation is something that uh, is kind of a quiet wealth maker. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is essentially the, the the equity that you're bringing or the value that you're bringing up to a property by raising rents and renovating and doing all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be multiplied if you actually are doing it right. And so that's not available in residential. Um, that's, you know, if you, I always give the example, if you have, if you buy a $200,000 house and you rent it out for $40,000 a month, what is that house worth? Two hundred thousand. Yeah, it's, it's not worth anything more. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, somebody's gonna be. You know, if you sell it, somebody's gonna do great in the cash flow. Yes, but there there should be some kind of evaluation for that, and that's not available in the residential market. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Do you feel that real estate investors have to start with single family first before they jump into commercial? That's a very good question, and my answer is yes, but with a caveat. Um, only use it as a tool mm-hmm. to get to know yourself and the market, uh, you know, the investment market. Get to know what a piece of sheetrock costs, mm-hmm. what a day of labor costs, you know, what, you know, what, what framing is. How, do, how does that work? Because you're going to use that for the rest of your life. That's uh, so true. And so, if, if, you know, I also get the question, you know, for folks that are starting out, they're young. Mm-hmm. And they want to study. I'm like, look, if you want to be in real estate, there is no other way. You're going to need to know a little bit of construction management and project management, stuff like that. And so if you're going to school and, and going to college and all that, I always kind of like to recommend that. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's I think that's why residential is good, not because it's going to generate wealth. It's actually very, very hard to generate wealth from residential real estate only. Uh, most people end up pivoting to commercial real estate, you know, earlier or later. And so I think that's that's the end. That, that should be your end goal from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Is there a certain commercial asset um, that you prefer and, and focus on versus, you know, whether it's shopping centers, industrial, um, apartment complexes? Is there, is there a niche that you, you think is uh, better than the other or does it just depend on the market and the time and i mean yeah it always depends but uh, me as an investor i've been kind of evolving you know in the last uh, 13 years that i've been doing this or so um i started off with multifamily because it was just very similar to residential uh i still heavily heavily uh, believe in it um because of the ease of selling an apartment to somebody you know it's mm-hmm. not like a shopping center where you kind of have to sell that space to a business, but then it's very competitive because your neighbor might be selling the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, the the availability of, of apartments um, and and uh, obviously the need for apartments is always going to be here no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe e-commerce one day will wipe out retail, maybe office as well with technology, but people will always need to live somewhere and somewhere condensed. And so apartment complexes are the way of future. And it's virtually easy to kind of uh, bring value to a multifamily property. Um, now, having said that, 
I have uh, found myself uh, playing around in the self-storage space recently uh, yeah. and retail because I think it's, um, you know, it's it's kind of easier to add value and, and the whole thing about forced appreciation. Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, it, you, can, you can add value in a lot of different ways, easier ways, cheaper ways to those properties rather than uh, multifamily. And it's not so management intensive. Yeah. I love that you diversified your portfolio into different asset classes. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah. also into lending. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I know in your bio, you talked about um, lending and speak of what types of investments do you look to lend on? Sure. Uh, so we're uh, somewhere investments is kind of like uh, uh, two companies in one. And, uh, you know, on one side, I guess we have the management of my own properties and everything like that. We're uh, owner operators. We don't syndicate. Uh, we don't crowdfund or anything like that. That's literally what, what I kind of believe in is just the ownership of 100% of every property. Um, and that's that's one side. Uh, the other side, we have uh, the brokerage, uh, which um, we sell properties, small to medium-sized commercial properties. Mm-hmm. And what's different about us in that uh, environment is that uh, we package deals up with the property and the loan itself. Mm. So instead of me saying here's a here's a 12 unit apartment complex for six hundred thousand dollars you figure out how to how to how to get it mm-hmm. uh instead what we're saying we're packaging it up with a hard money loan that uh can uh, that uh, you know uh, because of the way it's structured you can borrow up to 100 percent of the um of the cost of the property including rehab purchase and rehab and so that allows us to circumvent the biggest hurdle to commercial real estate which is uh, the down payment. And so Samuel Investments, you know, we, we package deals up mm-hmm. uh, so that in this uh, in this instance of the 12 unit complex, we're able to say, just bring us 50,000 at closing and the deal is yours. We bring you the property, the loan, the education behind it and how to, you know, what to do to the property to make the value jump and uh, experience worth appreciation. Wow. So it, awesome. we package it up with the, with the property. So, so the loan goes along with the property and that's that's kind of like what we do yeah that's very smart yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know uh number one i didn't know you did that or did the lending and i didn't know uh um what can you speak to why you don't syndicate or uh you know i was kind of surprised to hear you that i i love the idea and all that but and most people i think struggle to they need the funds right from outside so that's right. kind of cool that you uh you know focus um on keeping it all in house mm-hmm. and, and your properties. Yes, absolutely. So I'm a little bit of a contrarian guy. Um, I don't believe in your typical kind of guru things. Um, I think number one is we've fallen in love with this whole concept of how many units you own mm-hmm. and the AUM and all this other stuff. I don't think people pay the bill. You can't pay the bills with how many units you own. <laughs> you are <laughs> you so right. <laughs> Yep. And so um, I think it's a false metric. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, just to give you an example, I guess I would rather own a fully paid off 20 unit apartment complex than a fully leveraged 100 unit apartment complex with with uh, partners that I only owe 3% of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so but but, they, you know, these two people will give you different answers when they ask you how many units you own, right? Yeah. Yeah. 20 and 100, even though the guy with 20 units might be worth you know, four times what the guy with the hundred unit um, apartment complex has. Absolutely. So because of that, uh, it's, and I believe that these smaller properties are way easier 
to renovate, to build value, mm -hmm. to add value. Um, and they're shorter projects, you know, in, in your typical syndication, you're going to have three, four or five year kind of projects, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in this environment right now, there's no such thing as cash flow. A lot of guys are just hanging on to their cash flow. And so they, their investors are only waiting for those three to five years to actually get that big payday when they sell the property. Um, most syndicators only make, you know, anywhere between 500000 to $1.5 million per investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe we can do that in a way shorter time period in, in like, you know, less than 12 months, less than 24 months and the smaller properties. Yeah. And it, it yeah. you see so much of that on social yeah. and, and it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about how many doors it's like, they have. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, and they're all syndicated at all. Yeah. And they, they own, some of them don't even own, they just put it together. I mean, they had this, the percentage of ownership is so small and the majority of those guys. And then, yeah, I think a lot of them are actually going to get in trouble, maybe. It, yeah. Depending on what happens over the market the next couple of years. But, yeah, I agree with you 100%. So um, can you uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of the due diligence uh, process that you use or uh, when you're evaluating a commercial asset? Yeah, sure. So I always look at uh, the end result. I, I love to tell my students and clients, I love ugly. You know, you present me with the ugliest property <laughs> falling apart. You know, it's it's leaning on one side. It's, there's a tree growing out of it. I love it. Um, I would rather walk that all day long than something that's already renovated because I know what I can do with it. Um, I, I'd like to also uh, be creative in deals. Uh, for example, I'll turn a fourplex into an eightplex. In my largest complex that I own, I turned that 72 unit into a hundred uh, unit apartment complex by splitting units, you yeah. know, and added, you know, uh, like $7 million in value. I bought it for 3.6. Now it's worth uh, 12 million. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's creativeness in, in, uh, in rehabbing creativeness in structuring the deals and adding value. That's the type of due diligence that I'd like to make upfront. Of course, you know, um, you know, I don't really care that a property is completely vacant. Um, that normally means that it's a negative cap rate. But uh, so I don't really look at cap rate when I'm buying because I'm looking to add so much value that uh, that it doesn't matter whether it's empty or half empty or or what have you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I, I, you know, if I'm buying an asset, if I'm ever buying an asset that is that's cash flowing much like the 72 unit that I bought. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll run all the metrics. I'll make sure to, you know, know how much my capital expenditures, how much money is going to go into the rehab, uh, how much money is making now. But I think, honestly, in my contrarian ways, that's secondary to how you structure the deal and how, uh, you know, what the end result of the value could be. Yeah. yeah, that's great. You know, we talked about this earlier this year, Boris, when we were on the uh, real estate forecast panel, but I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear it as well from you. So like with interest rates rising last year and the market changes, what challenges and or opportunities do you see for investors in the next year or two? Um, you know, I, I think um, I've been getting told that something big is happening, something big is coming in the market. You mm -hmm. should sell now. A very big investor in Houston told me that in 2016 that I should sell all of my properties because something big was coming. 
I couldn't afford to at the time. I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to stick with it. You know, come thick and thin. Mm -hmm. The only big thing that I remember happening the whole time was probably the oil crisis and COVID, mm -hmm. uh, both of which we recovered pretty quickly. Right. And so um, I think that right now you should definitely use the mentality from others, from sellers saying, oh, my gosh, it's time to exit. The world, you know, the, the sky is falling, like yeah. Chicken Little said. Um, and so I, I really think as a buyer, you should use that as a tool. Um, but as a seller, I think as long as you have the added value, right, and you have a very strong um, pro forma and uh, uh, due diligence for, you know, for the future, like I, can, I can rent this unit for so on and so forth, worst case scenario. Uh, so very conservative due diligence and uh, underwriting of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, as long as those check out, I think you're going to do just fine. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, it's like what they said, you know, the, the best time to invest in real estate was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Yeah. Um, it just so happens that the market seems to be going down. It's a little bit nervous, maybe up, maybe down. I don't know. But uh, like I always like to say, it's always a good time to buy a good deal, mm -hmm. no matter what. Um, you just have to know what you're doing. You can't pretend that you know what you're doing. You kind of have to be confident that you are. Yeah. yeah. And now that you're talking about knowing what you're doing, you know, give us there's we have a lot of listeners that maybe are just maybe trying to get started or want to get started. What advice would you give them? Uh, the people that are getting started, you mean? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, that would be, uh, yeah, get educated, you know, um, it might be a cliche, but honestly, it's the biggest asset that you could possibly ever, ever, ever own. Um, you know, let's say that the sky does fall, uh, and everything goes, um, as nobody can ever take, you know, if you lose it all, if I were to lose it all tomorrow, the one thing that nobody can take away from me is the knowledge, mm -hmm. uh, the creativeness of how to put together a deal even if i uh, just work under another investor how do i add value to them right right and so i think the best way to add value to somebody else or a property or or, or you know uh, any vendor or anything like that would be to get educated first mm -hmm. um you know know how to how to structure a commercial deal know how to value a commercial property uh know the different kind of uh financial products that are behind commercial real estate all that matters greatly um, and, and that's something that, like I said, nobody can take away and your biggest asset. So yeah. start building your biggest asset from the get go. It would be my, my yeah. thing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, a follow up question to that would be, uh, you know, if you could go back into your twenties, is there any advice you would give yourself in your early twenties? Don't 20s? waste time. Yeah. Don't waste time. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. don't need to go to party boards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah uh, so, probably, you know, even through all my, my kind of uh, um, business ownership experience, uh, I've failed a lot. Um, I, you know, I can't say that it's all been rosy. And so I've, yeah, I've lost it all at several points in my life, even in my 20s. But the, and the perseverance was always kind of there. But I would be lying to you if I said I didn't doubt myself. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely doubted myself sometimes. And, um, yeah, Boris, I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, Joni and I, you know, have been in this for 23 years now. And, you know, there's numerous times that we have fallen flat on our faces. And but that's part of like you mentioned earlier, the, the journey and learning. And, 
even if we were to lose it all today, you know, it's that knowledge from failing prior and, and all the experience that we've gained over the years that we could rebuild it again if yeah, we need to. Of 100%. course, knock on wood, nobody <laughs> wants to go through that. No. But uh, yeah, and I, I, um, I think it's... Uh, you, you I so? mean, you couldn't be, yeah. either one of us could be where we're at today without those failures along the way, right? Absolutely. So it's kind of what, made, what makes us. Absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah, again, if, if I could go back in time and tell myself, like, you know, you know, I would tell myself, keep going, um, mm-hmm. because I would get disheartened, you know, I would lie to you if I didn't tell you that I got disheartened, but I did. Uh, so I would definitely go back to myself and tell me, uh, to, you know, to, to just keep going, uh, because it'll all make sense in the end. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't quit, right? I'm, I mean, you know, I feel for the people that just, you know, get down on their luck and they just they just kind of quit and do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I wasn't one of them. Yeah. So uh, this is a question we ask a lot of our guests, um, and it comes from a, a good uh, friend of ours, and then uh, he was a guest on the show as mm-hmm. well. But what's uh, Boris Sanchez's next? You know, what are you looking to accomplish in your next uh, five to ten years? So next five to 10 years would be to grow my brokerage operation nationwide, bring that unique product, uh, I guess, to the masses, make it easier for people to get into commercial real estate, mm-hmm. get familiar with it, right? Uh, eliminate and abolish that mentality that uh, that commercial is, uh, is to be left for the professionals and to people who know what they're doing. It's actually easier, simpler, and less risky to, to invest in commercial than it is in, in residential. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it would be, that would be my kind of uh, goal on that end. As an investor myself, uh, I see myself uh, investing in my first $100 million deal in the next two years. Nice. Um, and so in five, you know, it would probably be 10 times that, hopefully. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's been truly been an honor to have you on our podcast i don't think we've i've had maybe one other commercial Mm -hmm. investor on the show so um and i know our listeners are really interested in that and you brought a ton of value today so we really appreciate you being on the show but how can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to work with you yeah sure uh so uh please do send me an email boris at sandmore.com um, send me an email and, you know, ask me about uh, deals or if you want to ask me about the mentorship that I offer or anything like that, you know, my biggest motto is let me add value to you. So even if I can add value to you in some sort of small way, let me, let me attempt to, let me do it. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So we'll put all that in the show notes and your website and, uh, so they can reach out to you. Do you have any like education products that you, or, uh, any events that you have coming up this year? Yeah, so I have my next class will be March 11th. Um, and uh, that, that'll probably be for the last one for the year. I'm getting married later this year. And that's nice. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's going to keep me plenty busy. So <laughs> my best last one for the class, class-wise, I'm going to have that in March 11th. Okay. Awesome. awesome. So March 11th, guys, um, it'll be on the show notes. So check out Boris's website um, and email. You can email him for uh, any information on his class, upcoming class. But um, again, Boris, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on. Yeah. Thank uh, you. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank oh. you very much. And uh, if there's anything we can ever do for you, please let us know. 
Um, but otherwise, we'll see everybody next week. See you, everyone. You've been listening to Inside the Wolf's Den, an entrepreneurial journey with Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Tons of entrepreneurial podcasts are out there talking. Cock, cock, cocking. But Joni and Sean are living it every single day. Their portfolio now includes many franchises and medium-sized businesses. We talk about the trials and motivators of successfully running a business. Join us again soon for another podcast. But until then, reach out on the website at InsideTheWolfsDen.com, on Facebook at InsideTheWolfsDen, on Instagram at InsideTheWolfsDen. We'll see you again soon. This is Inside the Wolf's Den. We'll see you next time. Thank you.